0: Amen, Amen, Amen. Good morning. Good morning. All right. All right. All right. Amen, amen. Can I just tell you, uh, I just want to thank you guys for for being here with us today. I know that you can choose to go anywhere, and I'm glad that you're here with us today. I'm glad that we can have fellowship today. I'm glad that we can do church together today, amen? So now let me get, get raw. Here's the quote. How tragic it is that we often have just enough religion to make us hate, but not enough to make us love. Father, our prayer today, Lord, whatever you want, wherever you want it, whenever you want it, that's what we want, God. Have your way, God. Have your way. If you're just joining us, we've been going through the book of Ephesians. And this book is, man, if you've missed any of them so far, listen, I I really think you're missing out. And, And I really encourage you to go online and catch up. We got a couple already in. Um, find this on iTunes and subscribe. Listen there. or You can watch the videos on our website, sanctuaryfellowship.org. But really, I, I really think you need to to, to kind of to to catch up and to be to to get this to get. Listen, when we go through a book, when we go through a book of the Bible together, it's a gift. It's a discipleship, it's encouraging, it's not just somebody's thoughts, it's not some, just some random ideas, it's, we're going through something, and, and the word is always good, and the word is always, always, never returns void, it always sets out and does what it says it's going to do, amen? So I'm not saying because I'm so good, or because, no, I'm saying because when we, when we go through a book, you want to get that inside you, Amen? Take it as a gift. I don't take it lightly preparing it. I I, I think we should, would have shouldn't take it lightly receiving it. Okay, I'll leave that alone. Here's a quick summary. I did a summary recap kind of of what we've been through so far. Um, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. And I put it in a spoken word because, you know, I'll do whatever it takes to to get this, for you to get this. Okay, so here's a spoken word. Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. I titled it Halfway because we're halfway through the book every spiritual blessing in heaven you say I'm blessed in before the beginning of time you picked me to rest in predestined no Calvinist you chose me but I play a part in this Free will. I can choose you because you chose me first. Your grace draws me in. You're not afraid of my sin or the trouble I've been in. In Christ, I'm forgiven. You paid full price before time. A cost that was mine, that's redemption. Chose me as a son from the wrong one, that's adoption. Holy Spirit down payment. I'm sealed with the Spirit of God. I couldn't earn it, work for it, or deserve it. You left a will and I was named in it. Mm. I'm sealed with the Spirit of God. I couldn't earn it, work for it, or deserve it. You left a will and I was named in it. Your penmanship. Created in Christ for good works, your workmanship. Gentile or Jew, it doesn't matter to you if you believe in Christ, you're included too. Broke down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility, making me a member of you and you a member of me. Unity. Unity. That's the main theme of this letter. God sees us all the same. No one does he see any better. We're one body with many parts, one Christ in many hearts, no division, no longer a stranger but a fellow citizen. Being fitted together, one temple, one cornerstone, Jesus the head, no man alone, get along or go home. There's no time for that. The mystery of God has been revealed. Everyone who believes receives a seal filled with the fullness that comes from above. How wide and how long and how deep and how high is your love. Of what we can ask or imagine, he's able to do more than we can measure. So to God be the glory forever and ever and ever. (laughs) Ephesians Halfway. (laughs) Church, I'm serious about this book. We got to get serious about this word. Amen. I'm feeling this is such a critical book for this time in the life of this church that we need to get it. When when you when you lift off and look at the book from, from high, you know you you, you kind of sometimes you gotta sometimes we're so in there we gotta kind of back up and see the, the 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 fuller picture. When you when you do that, you you realize the entire theme of the letter, Paul's entire focus, God's word to the church at Ephesus and to the church here, is unity. God's word is unity. Watch this. Look at it from this angle. Chapter one is unity with God. We see in there words like chosen, forgiven, redeemed, adoption, Holy Spirit deposit in us, with us, Christ the head, we're the body. Chapter two is unity with the church. We see words in there like, those who were far away have been brought near. No longer strangers or foreigners, citizens. Jesus is our peace. He came to make the two one. We're being built together. Jesus destroyed the barriers of division. Chapter 3, unity with each other. We see words in there like Jew and Gentile heirs together, members together, sharers of the promise. There's power together with the saints. So as we start chapter 4, I want you to remember the first three chapters are what God has done. The first three chapters of Ephesians are what God has done for us. What He has accomplished. What He has done. is God's part. The next three chapters in Ephesians is our response. It's our part. Our responsibility. So if we can label chapter 1 unity with God, and chapter 2 unity with the church, chapter 3 unity with each other, chapter 4 would be walking in unity. And I want you to notice that it changed from a noun to a verb. I want to title this one, Walk Walk It Out. Walk It Out. Walk It Out. I think it's time for some of us to make our Christianity a verb. It's time to stop sitting around and receiving and start walking this thing out. I can't believe I'm telling people that that have been in Christ 15, 20, 30 years. But if that's you, don't get offended, get moved. It's time that we stop... The way how how do how do we walk this thing out? What does it mean? It it, it means the way we treat each other. It means the way we talk about each other. It means the way we encourage or rejoice or, or 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 get get hurt or be broken with each other. It also means getting involved. It means do something. It means, you know, it kills me sometimes that we got to do 15 minutes of announcements to try to get somebody to get involved with something. When, when, when it should be, listen, we're, we're doing this thing, VBS. We do this every year. You guys know if you've been here a year or two. We do this every year. It's not for us. We're not trying to build it. We're doing it for the kids. We're doing it for the community. So you should be just chasing people down. Where do I sign up? What do I do? What do I need to do? Whatever it is. Listen, I'm not qualified, but whatever it is, I'll do. If I got to fill water cups for people, if I got to, wh- whatever I got to do, I got to do. Like, we shouldn't be having to beg. You, you, you understand? It means, those, if, if this is your church, hey, let, me, let me just kind of drop it. If this is your church, grow with it or go find one that you can grow with. Like, serious. I'm not being rude, I'm not being angry, I'm not being like, you know, I'm but but like if this is I I don't know but you know, but I don't know how, how you see this, but if this thing is mine, then then I'm gonna be about it. Right? If this is mine, then then I wanna make it better. Are we a perfect church? Man, no way. But you're not perfect either. But instead of saying, you know, this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is, well, then go find some place where good luck. Because <laughs> not till glory will you find that. And if you keep going, you might not even see that. All right, too much, too far, too far, too far, too far, too, cut it out. Walk it out, walk it out, walk it out. We did an entire series called Walk It Out about nine years ago. And that one was on the book of John. But I wanted to use that title today because sometimes the title is all people remember. And so if that's all you remember today, I want you to remember to walk it out. And when you go home and somebody asks you, what did he talk about? Uh, I was on Facebook, but uh, the title was Walk It Out. And so what was he talking about? Um, um, I guess he was talking about like walk out your faith. Like walk out what you believe. Like walk out God's word. Like walk out what God. And you preach this thing to yourself even if you weren't paying attention here. Amen. So walk it out. Okay, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I, therefore, this is Paul speaking. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. Just so you know, side note kind of. Paul wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus and to the global church while he was locked up Paul visited Ephesus for a short time on his second journey and then he spent about 3 years in Ephesus there on his third journey building him and you know having this church but at this time that he's writing this letter to them it's believed that Paul was under house arrest in Rome And while he was under house arrest in Rome he wrote Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, and Philippians. In jail, incarcerated. During his second imprisonment, which this one was in a real jail cell with chains, this wasn't house arrest, he wrote 2 Timothy. And that was before that, that was at the end of his life. He knew he was going to be done, he knew they'd kill him, like this was going to be it. And he writes 2 Timothy on his way out. Now, we talked about Paul last time, but can you just reflect for a minute? Paul is doing a bid right now, not because he's a criminal, not because he did anything wrong. He's doing time for serving God. They have him on the house arrest because, like he says in chapter 3, for his ministry to the Gentiles. So, who put him on the house arrest? The Jewish religious leaders. They mobbed him and they put him on the house arrest because he had the the audacity, the testicular fortitude, the the spiritual anointing to to say, God loves not just you, but the Gentiles too. And the mystery of God's will is that they're included too. And they mobbed him and they put him on the house arrest. I, I don't know how you see that, but Think about the times maybe when you wanted to do the right thing and you didn't get the results you expected right away and so you stopped walking it out. Anybody guilty? You stopped walking in what God had for you. You stopped walking in what God... Let me tell you some hard truth today. Is that all right? I hope you didn't come here to be tickled. Sometimes God will give you dreams... And you'll find yourself in a ditch, betrayed by your brothers, sold out, made a slave, put in prison. And before you can see that dream come to pass, that was Joseph. Walk it out anyway. Sometimes God will anoint you for a position that you won't be ready to stand in for seven years. And you never thought you'd even live that long because of how bad things got during that time. That was David. Walk it out anyway. Sometimes God will literally promise you something that you're going to have to wait for. Oh, man. Not a whole lot of amens today. And after waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, he might ask you to offer it back to him as a test. That's Abraham. Walk it out anyway. Sometimes doing the God thing, doing the right thing, doing what you know is right will get you thrown into a den of lions, Daniel. Sometimes when you sometimes doing what you know to do is right will get you thrown into a fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew boys. But I'll bet my life, listen, that those three Hebrew boys and Daniel. And Abraham and David and Joseph, they wouldn't trade those experiences for nothing in their life. See, when you can look back at a time where hell came against you like a pack of lions or like a fiery furnace or like an ugly betrayal and by God's grace you were able to stand and you're still standing then you wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. Because nothing, nothing can build your faith like your own experience with God. But today we treat the church like it was a drive through Burger King. <laughs> we want it our way. Play my songs. I don't like that song. I don't like when you do this. I don't like when you do that. And if we don't get it our way, in 15 minutes we'll drive to another one. Because there's another Burger King drive through three or four blocks away. And then we'll say things, well, it wasn't meant to be. Or we'll say things, well, we'll try something else. Well, we'll get it another way. And we'll just have to do what we got to do. See, we let situations stop us. We let the rain stop us. We we let the weather stop us. We stop because somebody doesn't like us. We stop because somebody offended us. We stop because somebody didn't say hi to us. We stop because somebody didn't agree with us. We let our own immaturity stop us. And instead of walking it out, we bring division and we bring discord. Everything that God is talking about here in his Word. Listen, there are some hard seasons that I've been through that I still don't understand. Anybody with me on that? But I'm trusting God does. And I'm trusting he's in under control. When we think about the senseless killing that everybody's talking about this weekend. How that kid did nothing to deserve it. How he was the wrong target. How he was innocent. How, and, and that's got to be the toughest thing a parent can go through. And people will be quick to say, why would God allow that? How many of you said it this weekend? Why would God allow something like that? And the truth is this, the blood of that young man cries out to God from the ground where it was spilled. And it cries out for vengeance. And it cries out for justice. What I don't understand is how God's wrath doesn't just wipe us out completely. But it's the result of a sin that reigns in this fallen world. There's a wickedness that's at work in this world. We read it in Ephesians 2. It said this, And we were dead in our trespasses and sins in which we once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So listen, we once lived that way as the sons of disobedience like the world does. Like what we're outraged by right now. We once lived it, and we sinned just like they did. And, and even now, we're still working out our salvation with fear and trembling, and hopefully more and more <coughs> we're being sanctified and we're growing in Christ Jesus, but we still mess up. We still sin. Not you. All right, somebody else. And what those men did was they walked out their sin. And now, we would love for God to have stopped them from sinning. You with me? And, and, and we would love to have that young man alive today, but think about this. If God takes the free will from those men to sin and he stops them from sinning, where what does he do next? How many murders would he have to stop a day? Why stop at murderers? There's there's innocent children being trafficked as sex slaves. Okay, God, stop the murderers and stop the sex slavery. Because those are serious sins. But wait, there's kids being molested and abused. Okay, God, stop the murderers, stop the trafficking, stop the abusers and the the molesters because, because those things are bad. And let's say he stops all of those. Let's say those sins nobody can do. You can try to kill somebody and they won't die because God will stop those sins. So, so people can no longer do, well, where does he draw the line? What makes our sin okay and theirs no good? How come we're not outraged by our sin? But we could have 40 million hits on a video outraged by what these these sons of disobedience did to a kid. It's ugly. I'm not making it light. Please understand that. I'm not saying that's not important. That's horrific. But what makes our sin okay? How come we're not posting our own videos of what you did last week and what you've done in your past and what you're known for? Are we not being hypocrites? Isn't that hypocritical? That we're so outraged, we're so hurt by this video. Because it is, it, it is. It is the worst thing you can see. But are we being hypocrites if we're not outraged by our own sin? So if God decided to stop everyone from all sinning, then we wouldn't have free will and we'd just be robots and none of us would choose God. We would love it if God stopped those murderers and our hearts go out to that family and to the family of those kids that are murdered every day that we don't even hear about. What about the 520,000 babies that have been killed in the womb so far this year? And we're still fighting for our woman's right to choose. Church, I know this is tough, but, but this is not God's design for the world. This is not who God created us to be. These are signs and symptoms of a fallen sin sick world that will one day end and everyone will be judged according to how they lived and how they loved so like i said there's some hard seasons that we're not going to understand but i'm trusting god and i'm trusting that he loves junior more than we do and that he loves those babies more than we do amen There's tough seasons that you and I have been through that we still might not fully understand and might have some questions about. And there's some seasons that I can remember feeling like this thing will never work out. We'll never get through this. This will destroy me. This will break the church. This will break my marriage. This will break my relationships. This will destroy my family. And then I look back. And I see how God shut the mouths of the lions. And I see how he delivered me from the fire and how I didn't even smell like smoke when I came out. And I see how he anointed me to positions and brought me through it and into them. And sometimes the path was long and sometimes the path was hard and sometimes you lost a lot and sometimes you hurt a lot and you question and you doubt a lot. But I'm starting to get it after all these years. What I'm starting to understand is that there are going to be some things that I'm not going to understand because I'm a puny human and he's a great big God. And so God is still on the throne. God is still good. He's still in control. And I believe, if I believe that He's chosen me and paid the price for me and calls me His son and calls me His friend, then I have to walk it out anyway, no matter how I feel. No matter what I read or no matter what I see. And all the more as we see this world coming apart and we see people doing things to each other that we can't even conceive, we are the body of Christ. And we have to walk this thing out. And we have to walk in unity with God. And we have to walk in unity with the church. And we have to walk in unity with each other. Because that makes the world see something different. We're Noah telling people it's going to rain. Things are going to get bad. But we have a safe place for you to have a safe passage in. But we know a God that had go and prepared a place for us. But we know a better way. But we know the way. We know the only way. Paul wrote in Romans 8... Now, if we are children, then we're heirs and we're heirs of God and we're co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. And he says in verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed in us. And so that's why Paul got to a place where no matter what you throw against him, it didn't compare with what God had already has for him and what God had already done. The first half of Ephesians is our calling, our commission. It's what he's done for us. The second half of Ephesians is our challenge. Will you walk it out in your relationship with God? That's more than coming to church on Sunday. I hope you get that. Will you walk it out in your relationships at church? That means more than smiling with one or two people and not knowing anybody else in the building. Will you walk it out with one another? That means not holding on to offense. Not holding on to unforgiveness. That means forgiving even when people don't apologize. Worship team, come, come. <laughs> Ephesians 4. Let's at least finish that little section. Ephesians 4. You could put that up on the screen there, starting in verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble And gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you who were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Can I ask you, church, stop living halfway. Because, because look, this is, this is key. And we'll develop this later in, in, in the next ones. If Jesus has torn down every barrier, everything that brings division, that's what Ephesians just told us in the first three. He brings, he, he's our peace. He comes to erase hostility. He came to make the two one, right? So if he, he breaks down every barrier, everything that brings division, that's race, that's class system, that's power and authority, that's division. Every barrier that Jesus has torn down, then it's the enemy's job to build up those barriers. And that's why we still have racism and prejudice and the classes. And, and because, because every barrier that Jesus tore down, the enemy works hard to build up. The world won't have peace because it's rejected the Prince of Peace. So if God tears barriers down and the enemy is a builder of barriers, our decision is you and I will work for one side or the other. There's no neutral ground. We're either tearing down or building up. And we can say, well, I don't have that power. I just, I just, this is my first time at this stupid church. I don't even know why I came now. And some of you wishing you didn't come. uh, You didn't want to have to hear things that you heard today. But what I'm trying to tell you in the body, if we're one body, many parts, one Christ, many hearts, either we're building up or we're tearing down. We're going to work for one or the other. There's no neutral soldiers. So decide for yourselves who you're going to serve today. And I'll just quote, I'll, I'll, I'll close with this quote. And then we can worship, we can pray, we can, I don't know. It's been a rough, rough morning already. I wonder if anything is more urgent today for the honor of Christ and for the spread of the gospel than that the church should be and should be seen to be what by God's purpose and Christ's achievement it already is a single new humanity a model of human community a family of reconciled brothers and sisters who love their father and love each other the evident dwelling place of God by his spirit only then listen only then will the world believe in Christ as peacemaker only then will God receive the glory due to his name. Can I encourage you today to walk
1: this thing out?
2: Spirit of God, for fresh on us, we need your presence, your kingdom come, your will
1: I kept feeling feeling impressed that there's grace here today. For those of you ready to meet the challenge, see, when you hear a challenging message, you can get mad, you could feel guilty and condemned, or you could respond to the grace of God and you say, God, I repent. I repent of my attitude. I'm leaving it here today at the altar. I'm not going to go home the same way that I came. See, that challenge today came from the heart of God. Why? Because he wants to make us better. He wants us to mature. He wants us to do great things. He wants us to make a difference. We could show up in church week after week after week and go home the same way and say, wow, we had a good time in the Lord today. I don't care about a good time in the Lord. I want my heart changed. I want to touch people. I want my life to mean something. How, how about you? If you're saying, I'm responding today, Pastor George, I hear your heart. I'm just going to ask you, to, but if you really mean it, if, if that challenge meant nothing to you, if tomorrow's going to be the same as today, the same cycle, then don't raise your hand. But if you're sincerely saying today, I'm ready to make a change. I'm going after God. I'm here to serve. I'm here to lay down my life for God. Will you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. So, Father, I pray right now for each one, God. You see the hands lifted before you, God, saying, God, we surrender our lives to you. We surrender our own desires, our own way of living, God. God, we want to look like you. We want to talk like you, God. We want to be like you in every way. We're tired of the same old thing, the same failures, the same going around the same mountain week after week. Father, we making a decision today that we are running hard after your will, after your kingdom. Use us, God. Here we are. If you're saying that, just wave your hand before the Lord. Use me, God. I'm here. I'll be your hand. i I'll love the unlovable. I'm going to make a difference everywhere that I go. I just bless you right now. I bless you to have the favor of God over you, the influence of God, the power, the very fire of God burning through you at the bus stop, in your job, in your school. So, Father, we thank you today. We thank you for victory, Lord God. I thank you for changed lives. I thank you for a church, Lord God, that you planted. That's not here for routine, oh God, or just to show up in a church because it's nice to have a spiritual aspect of our lives. God, we want to burn for you every day, every night. We live for you and we choose you in Jesus' name. Spirit, Spirit of
3: God for fresh. Love, we need. Your Come on, sing it out.
4: evidence the
3: evidence is
4: all, the spirit of God is here
3: that spirit of God.
4: come on this is a miracle right now miracle
3: now say a miracle God is moving is moving now oh the spirit of God. and you're the evidence it's all around
4: You, he lives in you, hallelujah, Father. We thank you, Lord. We sing about the Spirit, Father, showing up, Lord. But the Spirit is within us, Lord. Spirit of your Spirit lives within us, Lord. Has made habitation in these temples, oh God. So, wherever we go, your Spirit is there. ready to empower us to cause change even pushing us to walk out the change in our lives Lord so Father we've heard your voice we know your heart oh God you made it plain and simple and pretty clear to us Lord what you desire of us but you would never push, you would never us, you would never force us oh God but you would love us to greatness, oh God. And you would stir us, oh God, to better things, Lord. So Father, we've made commitments with our hands raised this morning, Lord. But not only do we want change, we want to be the change, Lord. And we don't know what that means in the coming days. But we know that you will put us In a situation where we can affect change because of the spirit that is alive that lives within us, you saved us for a purpose, Lord, not for us to sit back and be comfortable. You've given us experiences, Lord, not just to talk about it and be grateful, but to share with others, Lord, so that they would have the same opportunity to experience hope love and joy lord and a future in you that's why you're here that's why you're saved this is why you're blessed to continue to be a blessing have a
3: wonderful week enjoy the lord